A new horror movie may have made an inadvertent commentary about the TikTok generation. Let's talk about it. It takes men to explain about women. That's how good we are. And somebody has some explaining to do at Boston University. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Um... So I wasn't, this is something I wasn't even going to talk about. Usually I don't talk about movie reviews and stuff like that. But there was a movie I saw uh, called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. The reason I, 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 I took the movie or I saw the movie was because I, I, it, I'm a big horror fan. It's Halloween. So I said, okay, here it is on Amazon. New movie released. I said, okay, let's, let's watch it. Now, I didn't have any expectations for this movie at all because it starred Pete uh, Davidson, who I think is probably play, plays the same kind of guy every time he plays a movie. And um, in this movie, it was no exception. He's a jerk in real life, and he played a jerk in this movie. Now, luckily, he died really early in the movie, which was the catalyst to the entire plot. So to give you a quick rundown on what it's about, it's about a bunch of Gen Z kids or the TikTok generation kids or the video, whatever you want generation you want to call between 1995 and 2010 when they're born or something like that. Um, getting together at a party at a remote mansion. Yes, they're all rich. They're all living off mommy and daddy's money. Okay, that's part of it. You can already tell where I'm going with this. Uh, they decide to stay in this remote mansion alone, have a party during a hurricane. Okay. Now, they decide to play a game called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And essentially, the game goes, somebody touches a person on the back, the person acts like he's dead, and then the rest of the group tries to figure out who actually killed that person. Well, these guys are all wasted. They're all using drugs. It doesn't work out. Uh, the two men in the room actually get into a fight, and that's where it ends. So the two men decide to go off on their own and the, the six girls, five, six girls, however many there are, decide to stay together, keep drinking, okay? Um, turns out Pete Davidson's character uh, actually had his throat slit and now the other characters are trying to figure out which one of them killed him, okay? Uh, that's all you have to know about the movie. I'm not going to give you in case you wanted to see it. Uh, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's okay. I kind of knew that what was going to, what was going to happen at the end. There was no real surprise there, but what got me about this movie was not the clever dialogue or gripping plot because it didn't have clever dialogue or a gripping plot. It's Pete Davidson was in this movie. What got me was the social commentary that came with it. Now, I don't know if this was done on purpose. Um, I read the writer's commentary, and it doesn't seem like she really meant to make this into a social commentary, but she might have. Uh, a couple of film critics actually did think this was a, this was a commentary on the generation. So we're not really sure. We're not really sure. But this movie did show us a lot of things about that generation. Uh, those born between 1996 and 2010. The gen, it's called Gen Z, or I like to call it the TikTok generation. Everyone gives millennials the short end of the stick, but you know something 
Actually, it's Gen Z are the biggest criers. Millennials are pushy. Millennials are arrogant. But they're really not that bad. Gen Zers, they're the ones, as far as I'm concerned, and it's impossible. So what did this movie show about that generation? Well, first off, huge amounts of drug use. Alcohol, drugs. They're all privileged. Every one of them. As a matter of fact, the one person in the movie that is considered low-end is only upper-middle class. And it was actually brought up to that, that they were upper-middle class. They, they are very loose sexually. There's a very loose sexual morality there. Uh, bisexuality. The, girl, the girls sleep around with each other. The men sleep around with the, with the, uh, the girls. There seems to be absolutely no filter when it comes to sex. And we wonder why pregnancy, teen pregnancy, is so common in this world. But it really does show. I remember in my generation, we were actually quite conservative when it came to sex. We were very conservative. I mean, geez, I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 17 years old. So we were always very kind of touchy and very polite with women. This, this generation, this movie, no, none of them are. And they, they don't care. And they just, they, they talk... They talk whatever that comes to their head. They do whatever comes to their head. And they do whatever they desire. There is no control. Self-control with these folks. Um, the terminology of wokeness was all over the movie. I mean, they these kids, they threw around wokeness like crazy. Ableism, sexism, racism, toxic masculinity. That's one of the reasons why I think this might have been a commentary more than a horror. Horror comedy is what it's considered. Because it was so over the top. And in actuality, these folks, it also showed they're not really all that woke. They they use the terms, but then when they talk, when they talk real, like they're in trouble and they they actually use their, their words, they actually say what they feel because their emotions are going insane. They actually say what they think and they don't appear woke. And several of the characters, again, this is one of the reasons why I think this might have been a commentary. Because one of the reasons, um, one of the reasons these kids point out all those ableism, sexism, toxic masculinity is because, because they are being called, they're called, one person will call it out and then they'll say you're being an ableist. Or you're being an ageist, or you're being a sexist. So they're actually pointing to each other that you're not being woke. That's the other thing that gets me. Perception and feelings, and this was big in this movie, perception and feelings go over reason and reality. There's a dialogue in the movie where a girl is trying to make, is trying to provide evidence that another girl was the murderer. And the girl said, well, I don't feel that way. She goes, I don't care what you feel. It's about reality. Your feelings aren't reality. And she even says, my feelings are real. My feelings are reality. And she goes, no, reality is reality. Again, it really does push. As I'm talking here, it really does push that this movie was a commentary on that generation. I, I, they're, all, they're all really dumb. That's the other thing. They're all really dumb. No wisdom whatsoever. Do what they want. And mainly, they do what they want for TikTok. 
They are all addicted to their screens. They're all addicted to social media. Matter of fact, the main character in the movie died while he was doing something stupid while filming a TikTok video. That's how he died. Just probably gave you the move, gave it away. But the thing is, the final scene, the final words of the movie really sums up this, uh, this, uh, sums up this uh, generation. So the, the storm is gone. They get their reception back on their phones. The phones start buzzing. There are seven bodies all over the house. The house is destroyed. And the last words of the movie, she, the girl looks at her phone and says, I have reception. Now, you wonder, I, I remember there was a time, uh, I remember a news story that happened about a year ago where a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old carjacked a, a Uber driver. And the Uber driver, they dragged the Uber driver for about two blocks and then smashed him against the building. And as the girls are being pulled out of the car, you know, 13 and 16, right? These are young kids. As they're being pulled out of the car, as this guy is laying dead on the sidewalk, that's the first thing that girl said. I can't find my phone. I think I left the phone in the car. And the cops were just saying, you don't worry about your phone. It's really telling. You know, it, I, I, I truly do believe she actually meant to do this. But it's really telling about this generation. It's really scary. And I think it's one of the reasons why things like social media, things like portable phones, uh, smartphones, they really need to be taken out of the hands of the kids and let the kids grow up and learn about life instead of life being at the end of their hand. Because guess what? They're going to be leading us soon. They're going to be leaders of the country. All right. Now, if you saw my Rumble video, you go to my Rumble account. You've met this guy already. His name is Dylan Mulvaney. He is a TikTok influencer who about 200 days ago decided he's a woman now and he records every day that he uh, that every day his experience of being a woman and by the way not a woman but a girl so he doesn't even this is not a young guy this guy got to be about 25 so he's describing himself as a girl he always wants to be a, a girl so if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the the rumble video i did you should probably go look at it or you can just go to the website and take a look at it. Here's a little reminder of him and <laughs> just how crazy he sounds. The video is far, far worse. Watch, listen. Day 75 of being a girl and I've been carrying around tampons and pads for the past two months, but I've actually never opened one up. So let's do it, woohoo! I thought the letter stood for small, medium, and large based on the size of your Barbie pouch. But after a Google, I found out it's actually the level of your flow. So there's- Absolutely incredible. Barbie pouch? Really? This is what women are like? This is what women think? Well, that's what this guy thinks. Here is the original video where you actually saw this. You, I actually, the video, I actually, the audio portion of this guy actually in the woods in leotards and high heels. This is the video that really blew up on Twitter. And I'll tell you why it blew up on Twitter. There was actually a reason. So let's listen to this audio clip. Day 66, being a girl, and today I'm in nature. 
Trees, I love them. Water, lakes, I love them. Heels, they're my hiking heels. I love them. Bridges, love them. Coconut water, love it. Not an ad, just love it. Wind turbine, love it. <laughs> Meadows, love them. I'm scared of getting Lyme disease. Love ya. Did you see that? I gotta get out of here. Did you see that? It was a dragon. Oh my god. Never again. Get me out of here. Love ya. Jesus. If you think the audio is bad, go look at the video. It's worse. I showed this video to Josie and Josie Josie was actually insulted. She said, What woman acts like that? I told her, apparently he thinks that's all how you all act. Josie is an avid hiker. And she has never behaved that way. And I won't go into the commentary about that video, simply because I put it, posted it on Rumble and I, I gave a little bit of commentary in there. But it's insulting. The reason that video went viral is this guy was speaking at the Forbes Women's sum Summit, explaining how to be a successful woman in the business sphere he's a freaking tiktok influencer but forbes in all their genius decided to invite this guy to be a, a speaker he got a lot of attention unsurprisingly it wasn't good and this video was what followed him but it it seems that you know people still dig it so, Alta Beauty decided it's going to have its little, uh, it decided to have a little interview between two men, McIlvaney, Mulvaney, and a guy named David Lopez. And they were going to talk about beauty secrets and the wonders of being a woman. I, my God, it was, Alta Beauty sells beauty products to women their base support is women yes there are men who buy makeup not that many matter of fact i used to go to alta beauty with my with josie and i would be sitting most of the men who were walking around that place looked bored out of their minds but here's a little bit of that that interview that the the talk that these two men we're having about how great it is to be women and how important beauty is. This is this is an insane quote. I can't even believe it got in there. Now I know I can find love. I know I can still be a performer. I know that I can have a family. I want to be a mom one day. And I absolutely can. And that's why the narrative still has a long way to go. Because when I was grieving boy Dylan, I didn't know those things were even accessible to me. Well, Dylan, the narrative is going to have to go a really long way because it is physically impossible for you to give birth it is physically impossible for you to be a woman it will never be accessible to you you idiot you moron well needless to say and i'm really happy to see this there is a huge backlash against this 
And guess where this backlash is coming from? It's coming from women. Because women, you know what? Women are tired of being replaced. Matt Walsh's uh, documentary that was released a few months ago basically says you guys are erasing women. What is a woman? You don't can't even define a woman now. Men can be women. Women can be men. I anyway, here's a clip uh, that's hit social media where this woman was absolutely livid at Alta for publishing this crap. Listen. Alta Beauty is now Alta Delusional. You know, did you ever think you'd see the day where beauty brands would create a podcast with two biological males talking about girlhood? It's essentially two males mansplaining what it means to be a woman. You know, beauty could be for anyone, sure, but girlhood is for girls. Girlhood is not just a product that you can purchase at the makeup store. You know, my biggest issue with this is these two men talking about how they want to be a mom one day and that they absolutely can be. No, you absolutely cannot be and never will be a mother. Renting the womb of another woman will never make you a mother yourself. Not even adopting will make you a mother. You know why? Because you are a man. 99 things a man can be and a mom isn't one of them. Women are not a fetish. We are not gender-affirming tools for males that want to feel more feminine. We are more than a dress and some pretty eyeshadow. And the fact that we have to keep reminding men of that is pretty dang sad. So maybe stop erasing women and treating us like caricatures to be mocked. Thanks. And she's exactly right. There's everything that she said is true. These, this guy doesn't know what it's like to be a woman. I, all this crap you keep hearing about, I feel like a girl or I feel like a woman... If I've never been a woman, how would I know what it feels like to be a woman? I would have no idea. This guy, he's a clown. Prancing around in what he thinks women wear, doing what he thinks women do. Matter of fact, it's 200 days. I'm even wondering if this is all a big freaking joke. But if it is, it's working because he got on the Forbes Women's Summit he got on. Uh, he got Alta to interview him with another guy. It's absolutely incredible. Well, Alta was just getting bombarded with this, and so finally, they they tweeted a um, statement. This is what they said: the premise of the beauty of is to feature conversations that widen the lens surrounding traditional beauty standards. We believe beauty is for everyone. And while we recognize some conversations we host will challenge perspectives and opinions, we believe constructive dialogue is one important way to move beauty forward. The intersectionality of gender identity is nuanced, something David and Dylan acknowledge themselves within the episode. Regardless of how someone identifies, they deserve our respect. I got a question First off, why do they deserve our respect? These two men are clowns in with makeup and all and are making a mockery of women. I do not see that as something that deserves to be made be deserving of respect. I don't see that at all. Remember last year um, during the Me Too movement, maybe it was two years ago, the Gillette, the men's razor company, came out and with a campaign telling men not to be so toxic. Remember what happened to Gillette? They got a lot of praise for this from the left. Okay? Which is what they were actually looking for. They were looking for for praise from people who 
like that kind of crap. What they got, though, was also what they also got was declining sales because people turn. It turns out men don't like being insulted. And if that's your customer base, you probably shouldn't be insulting them by calling them toxic. There are repercussions. In the last two days since this video came out, this video just came out, uh, Ulta stock has gone down. A lot of, uh, Josie saw this stuff. Josie saw this little thing and she said the exact same thing this girl said. Yeah, you can't be a woman. You can't be a mother. You'll never be a mother. You're a man. You're not going to grow a womb. You're not going to grow ovaries. You're not going to have a period. Where in the hell is this guy going to stick a tampon? Just incredible. Here's the thing. Then this is what I love about it. The backlash is here already. The backlash. I mean, people are throwing a fit about this. People are throwing, uh, people threw fits about Gillette. People are tired of this crap. They really are. Even some on the left are getting tired of this crap. Bill Maher comes to mind. And it's time for us just to sit there and keep calling it out. That's all we need to do is keep calling this stuff out. Okay, this next story is just effing incredible. I, I cannot even believe this. And my God, there better be some investigations over this. All right. So according to the Daily Wire, last Friday, Boston University's National Emerging Infectious Diseases Laboratories released data claiming that it had combined the original strain of COVID with the Omicron variant, resulting in a new strain of COVID that killed 80% of the mice in the trial. The new strain, while less deadly to mice than the original, is more deadly than the Omicron variant, according to BU Research. The lab denies that it was conducting controversial gain-of-function experts, ex- ex- expe- uh, gain-of-function experiments. Really? It denies it? It just admitted they created it. So, this is what happened. They took the alpha variant of the COVID virus and they combined it with a spike protein from the Omicron Omicron variant, which makes the COVID virus just as dangerous as alpha, but far more transmissible. And this is funded by the government, which we are told they were not doing. Here's my big question uh, on this. Why? Why did they do this? What What reason is there to do this? Well, there's going to need to be an investigation into this because if this virus gets out, it could turn the country upside down again. And sometimes, being the conspiracy theorist, I feel like I am sometimes, uh, I get the impression maybe they are doing it on purpose. Maybe they do want this, this disease back again. I don't know. I'm just saying, why do this? What was the point? Okay. Now, Joe Biden, he, <laughs> he did it again. So I, I don't know how much of this I'm going to play, but Joe Biden uh, had a press conference yesterday describing his new plans to lower gas prices. And that kind of makes sense that he's doing this now because, let's face it, he has, to, he has elections coming up in November and he's got to figure out a way to lower gas prices. So let's go over some of this speech. 
It wasn't a very long speech. It was about 13 minutes. So let's go over some of the speech and let's talk about some of the problems uh, with his train of thought. This has fallen 30 percent from the summer highs. Now it's down about a dollar and 15 cents a gallon from their peak during the summer. <clears throat> gas prices have fallen every day in the last week. Let me repeat, gas prices have come down and they continue to come down again. They're now down more than 27 cents a gallon in Wisconsin this past week, 27 cents in Oregon, 16 cents in Ohio, 25 cents in Nevada, 17 cents in, in, uh, in, in Indiana, in <clears throat> just the last 10 days. And that's progress. Okay, what he's failing to sit, tell you is, first off, it's doubled since he took the presidency. Second off, yes, it's gone down 17 cents here, a quarter there, 30 cents there. But it went up 50 to 60 cents at, during uh, September. California's gone up over a dollar. And by the way, gas, it's still in California, 80 cents above what it was in September, beginning of September. So, yeah, it's going down. But before he pats himself on the back, which is exactly what he's doing now, because that's what he does. He pats himself on the back whenever the gas prices go down. Yeah, but they still, but they, he had a huge surge last month. So going down 30 cents isn't that big of a deal when it went up 60. Okay, let's listen to this next clip. But they're not falling fast enough. Families are hurting. You've heard me say it before, but I get it. I come from a family. If the price of gasoline went up at the gas station, we felt it. Gas prices hit almost every family in this country, and they squeeze their family budgets. When the price of gas goes up, other expenses get cut. That's why I have been doing everything in my power to reduce gas prices since Putin's invasion of Ukraine caused these price hikes, these prices to spike and rattle international oil markets. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's doing everything he can except drill for oil, except allow oil companies to drill for oil except allow oil companies to build refineries and upgrade their refineries. Yes, he's doing absolutely everything. And there's blame num blame game number one. Blame it on Putin. Blame it on the war in Ukraine. I'm getting so tired of hearing about that war in Ukraine because, to be honest with you, Ukraine has really done nothing for us. We don't get our oil from Ukraine. We don't get our oil from Russia. We got our oil from us until he decided to stop doing it. And I'm so tired of this guy always trying to make him out into Mr. Ordinary Guy. This guy's went to Harvard. This guy's been in politics since he was 29 years old. He is not a normal, regular Joe. It's just such crap and pandering. Okay, here's the next one. I've seen three critical steps that my administration will take to reduce gas prices at the pump. First... The Department of Energy will release another 15 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, extending our previously announced release through the month of December. Independent analysis, uh, excuse me, independent analysts have confirmed that drawdowns from the reserve so far have played a big role in bringing down oil prices, bringing them down. So we're going to continue to responsibly use that national asset. By the way, why only 15, 15 million barrels isn't going to last us through December? I don't know what he's talking about. But why through this, right through December? Maybe because the elections are in November? Yeah, but everyone knows why he's doing this. Everyone knows why he's doing the, the press knows why. You, you'll hear that in the, uh, it, at the last part. 
But the strategic oil reserves is not to be used to lower gas prices. In fact, it is irresponsible to use the strategic oil reserves for uh, lowering gas prices. The strategic oil reserves are for natural disasters, war, things like that. And it's down. Biden has decreased it by 50%. Again, how can this be solved? Lift the re- lift regulations and approve drilling permits on public lands, which he won't do. Okay, here's the next little clip here. Need to responsibly increase American oil production without delaying or deferring our transition to clean energy. Let me uh, let's debunk some myths here. My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. Quite the opposite. We're producing 12 million barrels of oil per day. And by the end of this year, we will be producing 1 million barrels a day, more than the day in which I took office. In fact, we're on track for record oil production in 2023. And today, the United States is the largest producer of oil and petroleum products in the world. We export more than we import. And I've still heard from oil companies, and I've heard from oil companies that they're worried that investing in additional oil production today will, will, uh, in, in case of the, in, in case demand goes down in the future, and they're not going to be able to sell their oil products at a competitive price later. Well, we have a solution for that. Today, I'm announcing a plan to refill the strategic petroleum oil reserve in the years ahead at a profit for taxpayers. The United States government is going to purchase oil to refill the strategic petroleum reserve when prices fall to $70 a barrel. That means oil companies can invest to ramp up production now. With confidence, they'll be able to sell their oil to us at that price in the future. Everything he's saying is just a lie here. He is. You know how we know? Every Every oil and natural gas CEO for uh, CEOs for those companies has said, no, we can't get the permits. The permits are being canceled. The ones we do have, we can't go on certain land. We can't go. We can't create. We can't upgrade our refineries because they're being denied by the government. Everything he's saying is just a BS lie. And also. You know, oil is selling at $87.50 a barrel. Uh, The reason it's so high is because of his regulations and lack of permits. These companies, in order to drill, have to really go through the go through the hoops to be able to go go there and drill. And that's if they can. When exactly does he think oil is going to go down to $70 a barrel? Everyone looks at him and saying, um, yeah, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Just, he's, he's, okay, let's listen to this next clip before I get all emotional. All companies is this, you're sitting on record profits and you're, and we're giving you more certainty so you can act now to increase oil production now. The third thing I'm doing is I'm calling oil companies to pass the savings on to consumers Consider this. In the second quarter of this year, profits at six of the largest producers, publicly traded oil companies, were more than $70 billion. That's $70 billion in just one quarter, 90 days, $70 billion. 
So far, American oil companies are using that windfall, the windfall of profits, to buy back their own stock, passing that money on to their shareholders, not to consumers. In fact, in the first half of the year, those same companies spent $20 billion buying back their own stock and, most importantly, buying back a buyback, the most significant buyback in the last almost a decade. That's great if you own a lot of stock in an oil company or if you're an executive in an oil company. Puts a lot of money in your pocket. That is how you get paid. But it's not the case for the vast majority of Americans. <clears throat> Pain is the pump. This is so cynical. So, okay, so far, so far we have Putin's, pro Putin's responsibility and now the oil company's responsibility. Well, you know why the oil companies are making this uh, pro huge profit? It's because they can't produce oil. Oil has gone up, which means they have to pay more. And then the money goes into, then it goes to the customer and the customer has to pay a higher at the gas pump. When Trump was running and we were energy independence, oil was free. I mean, oil lives literally. People would pay us to take oil under Trump. That was happening. I think it was negative $10 a barrel at one point. So if we wanted to buy Russian oil, which I think we did at the time, they Russia had to pay us to take the oil off their hands. And that's when Trump filled the, the Royal Reserve, the uh, uh, Strategic Reserve. And that's when gas was at its lowest point. This guy doesn't understand basic economics. He's creating the scarcity of oil, which is why we are on a, we are in a oil we are in a, a shortage, fuel shortage. He's creating the scarcity. And then when people still need oil and the companies have to raise the prices, and they make more profits. And by the way, that's a, that's a misnomer on the more profits thing. That's just a misnomer. Believe it or not, the oil companies have explained, hey, we're not making $70 billion a quarter. We bring in $70 billion, but then we have to put money into, into things. They're not making these huge profits. I think that's all a lie. And the, um, the oil companies tell, say it. They're very open about it. Uh, matter of fact, I didn't hear yesterday, but I'm pretty sure after that little comment he made yesterday, I'm pretty sure a bunch of oil uh, CEOs just sat there and said, the guy's full of beans. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay. Now, oh, by the way, here's the thing about the greed of the oil companies, because this is something Democrats do. Um, oil prices went straight through the roof when Biden took office. Straight through the roof. Where was the oil company's greed when Trump was president? They had they kept prices actually very low. $2.30 a gallon was the average, 234 I think it was. In California it was 2 in, in where I the cheapest gas station I go to, 279. Now it's $6. Where was the greed back then? Yeah, he's just full of crap. Okay, let's listen to the next uh, clip here. When the cost of oil comes down, we should see the price of the gas station at the pump come down as well. That's how it's supposed to work. But that's not what's happening. In the past two weeks, the price of oil has fallen $4 a barrel. 
And you think, and thanks in large part to the steps we've taken this year, the price of oil has fallen nearly $40 a barrel since mid-June. That's a 30 percent drop in the price of a barrel of oil. But guess what? Gas prices haven't fallen that much. And it's not right. Gas prices of the pump should be lower. In fact, if retailers and refiners were earning the average profit they've made over the last 17 years, Americans would be paying at least 60 cents less per gallon for every gallon they buy. Say it again. 60 cents less for every gallon they buy. No freaking moron. So now it's Putin's fault. It's the oil company's fault. It's the refinery's fault. It's the retailer's fault. The gas station that, you know, doesn't make dick on gas. Okay, so we've got that, right? There's going to be one more, of course. By the way, um, I don't know. Gas doesn't drop simply because there are more, there's more oil. It takes a little bit to refine that. It usually takes a couple of weeks to, to get gas prices uh, down when oil is injected into the, into the uh, economy. It, do, it doesn't happen right away. None of that's true. And everyone says that it takes a couple of weeks. You can't. You, yes, you just gave us all this oil, but it's got to be refined. It's not going to lower gas price right away. It's not instantly gas. I knew that when I was freaking sixteen. Okay, let's look at. Let's listen to the next little clip. My message to the American energy companies is this: You should not be using your profits to buy back stock or for dividends. Not now. Not while a war is raging. You should be using these record-breaking profits to increase production and refining. Invest in America for the American people. Bring down the price you charge at the pump to reflect what you pay for the product. You still make a significant profit. Your shareholders will still do very well. And the American people will catch a break they deserve and get a fair price at the pump as well. This is typical modern monetary theory. This is typical stakeholder versus shareholder. The stakeholders are more important than the shareholders. Well, I disagree with him. I I don't own stock in, in any oil company. But the reality of the matter is the shareholders should make money because they are actually investing in the company. So, no, he's wrong. And I don't understand much about stock buybacks, but it's I'm pretty sure the reason that they have stock buybacks is so they can still control their company. So this is just garbage. And this is the part that really got me. The war is raging. Well, maybe. But why should we care? We didn't get anything from Russia or from Ukraine. This is where the corruption comes into play here. We don't know what Joe Biden has been doing in Ukraine. We know what Hunter's been doing in Ukraine. But why why are we involved in that whole thing? Well, we know why we're involved. We know why we're involved. Because there's corruption. And what's ironic about that whole thing is, you know, the Biden administration won't protect Taiwan. 
I mean, they're more worried about Ukraine than Taiwan. Taiwan does far more for the United States than Ukraine does. But they're worried about uh, they're worried about Ukraine more because Ukraine has been working with uh, Hunter, and they're working with and Chi- and Hunter has been working with China. So he won't go against China with Taiwan. Okay, um, let, let let's. Let's get to this this one right here. Okay, what I'm going to skip one here to shorten this up a little bit because I've got two more I want to I want to play. Here we go. I know it's been a rough four or five years for the country. For a lot of families, things are still tough. The choices made by other countries are affecting the price of gas here at home. That's why I've been acting so aggressively. Without the steps we've taken over the past several months to ramp up production and lower prices and get relief to consumers, gas prices would be higher than they are today. And we'll keep doing everything we can to keep it going, to ensure that our energy independence and security is available, and to lower gas prices here at home, and to give folks a little bit of breathing room. We just have to remember who we are. We're the United States of America, for God's sake. There's not a single thing we can't do when we put our minds to it. And we can strengthen our energy security now, and we can build a clean energy economy for the future at the same time. It's totally within our capacity. Totally within our capacity. Gas prices are coming down. We're going to do everything we can to make sure they continue to come down, and companies act responsibly so it's reflected at the pump. Okay, so let's see. He's playing Putin. It, I got to be honest with you. It was, it was very discreet, but it was there. I know the American public has had a tough time the last four or five years. What he should have meant was five to six years. But let's see who he's blamed. He's blamed Putin. He's blamed the oil companies. He's blamed the refiners. He's blamed gas retailers. And now he's blaming the Trump administration. Do you notice what's missing in that list of those he's blamed? Um, how about him? His policies, his regulations. <sighs> By the way, no one's buying this crap. Everyone knows, everyone knows this is a political stunt right before the election. Even the media seizes it as an overt political stunt to get votes for Democrats. Okay? And and the kicker is that uh, um, he's not fooling the leftist media either. I mean, some of these questions are coming from, I, I, I heard, one was from ABC. They're not exactly Fox News. So let's listen to this. What is your response to Republicans who say you are only doing this SPR release because, to help Democrats in the midterms? Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, it's not. Three weeks We're, before the midterms? Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? It's not politically motivated at all. It's motivated to make sure that I continue to push on what I've been pushing on. And that is making sure there's enough oil that's being pumped by the companies 
so that we have the ability to be able to produce enough gas that we need here at home, oil we need here at home, and at the same time, keep moving in the direction of providing for alternative energy. That's what I've been doing. Now, the problem is these guys are asleep. I don't know where they've been. And they seem, you know, the price at the pump should reflect what the price of a barrel of oil costs. And it's not going down consistently. You know, I have a question too there, Joe. Where have you been the last two years? Democrats, Democrats right now own the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Republicans can't do much of anything. They have lost just about everything they want by a 50 to 51 to 50 vote. They have no power and they haven't had it for the last two years. It's his policies that caused this mess. And by the way, I, I, I hate hearing this crap that these guys come up with. <coughs> Excuse me. Where they sit back and say, well, the Republicans haven't offered any ideas. Yes, they have. They said, cut regulations on oil. They said, cut regulations on oil companies. Cut, allow permits to go through. Let these people actually drill. Lower taxes. Lower, uh, do everything that Trump did that when the economy was going full steam ahead. And, and, and inflation was at 1.3%. And we weren't in any wars. They've given him ideas. He doesn't listen. And you hear it constantly and you're gonna take a beating in november that son of a bitch is gonna get just ripped in november and he'll be gone by the end of the year i say that again and again and again and i believe it 100 percent okay i hope you guys have a great weekend visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com also visit rumble type in dumbassestalkingpolitics subscribe hit that rumble button watch those videos enjoy them. Um, I will be in Mexico, so I'm not going to actually post any new videos this weekend, but I am hoping to have a video or, or two on my trip to Mexico with uh, Josie's family. Take care, y'all. Love ya. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.